Welcome to Musings with me at Butterfly Effect. I'm Lisa and I hope that wherever this finds you in your day, it generates critical thinking and discussion for those you love and care about. Dragging the past into the now is the topic of the day, or more specifically for this podcast, bringing up the past and rehashing it regularly for yourself and others which on many occasions ends up in unsolvable arguments. After all, if we were solution-focused, we probably wouldn't be back in the issue again. This, like other musings, is something that keeps showing up for the people around me, with family and friends, for myself and with clients. So there's this suitcase analogy. You may have heard it before, or not. Either way, it goes to the tune of this. We are all born with a bag, be it a suitcase or a backpack or a Gucci handbag. After all, it doesn't really matter what the outside of it looks like. It's what it contains and how heavy it is. As we grow up, the adults around us either show us how to fill our own baggage or they put the stones or experiences in there for us. Some are light, others are heavier and some are so freaking heavy we end up dragging our baggage around with us daily. Some we take out and never pick up again and others we carry around with us for a lifetime. And often we take those stones out of our suitcase and sit with them. We might look over them in minute detail or gaze at them as we try to remember the exact details. And to be fair, as time passes, our memory of a situation is not as accurate. And it's also only one point of view around that situation too. As we do this, we bring the past right back into our now. This can happen with purpose or unintentionally. Either way, we are dragging the past into our now. And what a ride that is when we do it, right? We're really good at shining light on those past fragments during arguments and other experiences with those we love when reminiscing with friends and family or when we don't know how to deal with a situation or the emotions that are coming up. We may not even be able to identify what the emotions are that we are experiencing and our automatic reaction is to throw out some past indiscretion. In the end, There's no winner. Everyone walks away feeling worse than they started out. So whether it's a parent, a partner, our children, we are all more likely to do this during an argument. It's the time when our emotions are at their height and we have more tunneled vision in how we think this argument or conversation should go because after all, we are right and they aren't. We are in the throes of attempting to make them understand our viewpoint and how right we are about this event or the feelings or the outcome of decisions or the effect on others and that list keeps going on. And if this was working we wouldn't feel so shit afterwards. We feel shit because no one ends up winning and we most often don't have a solution to what we feel the problem is. In many situations, this happens to 
there being something it happens due to there being something else going on for one or other or both of the people involved like I know that for myself when I'm taking care of everyone else before myself and putting all my own stuff my business my health even down to having a shower after everyone else I begin to feel resentful and angry I used to think this was towards the person I was irritated with and that is how it feels at the time however after reading an interesting post about this and you can take this or leave it where it mentioned that anger and resentment could actually be envy I realized I did feel envious on occasion like I felt envy of the freedom the time the nurturing or whatever it was that was coming up for me I might have been giving to get acknowledged and by crikey did I have martyrdom down to pat now although there are multiple there are multiple subconscious and conscious often conscious reasons to bring up those past issues like it might be when you need time to yourself and arguing allows you to be left alone for a while it's like a secondary game the primary thing that we think it is is to get our point across but that secondary game means when somebody walks away and leaves us we're like oh thank god I don't actually have to do that now so that might be what it is It, it allows you to be left alone for a while or maybe you haven't been able to find a re- resolution on that issue and during an argument is definitely not time to do it this is something to bring up when everyone is feeling calm and also I might note not just before bed it might also be to avoid what is really going on like we create diversions either knowingly or not to avert the focus from ourselves and onto a different subject we might be trying to hide something we have done or something we don't want others to know about and so we twist that conversation onto a totally different topic ta-da don't have to address it or it could be to hurt the other person right like I know I've been guilty of this one we might feel like we are justifiably upset about something and the way to get them on the defensive is to bring up a past stone like a past issue and away we go but it was you and remember the time when you did this and you know and we throw that in so instead of it being us it becomes about them we so we might be trying to divert that attention off ourselves because we have made the mistake this time around and by bringing up their past we turn it back onto them instead of owning our own flaws our own failures or stuff ups and it may even be when we have been focusing on better communication and it's been going so well and our auto reset level is arguing have you ever been focused on like better communication and then found yourself mid-argument thinking why am I even arguing and yet you can't stop yourself here's where you will know that I'm totally nuts I have even felt like I'm watching myself argue with my partner and thinking what the hell are you doing how is this fixing the problem and I've kept going like 
seriously? And here's a disclaimer. I've never said I was perfect. In fact, I need you to know that I am always learning and relearning too. However, that being said, how long are we going to drag the past with us and keep reminding everyone else of theirs? How can we expect people around us to change if we keep reminding them of how much they have hurt us, who they have been, what they have or haven't done, who they should or shouldn't be? We're not excusing them for their behaviour, but if they are trying to make change and we just keep showing them their mistakes from the past, they will keep living up to those instead of the new version of self they're trying to create instead. I mean, really, we are so good at reminding people of how they stuffed up and we forget to celebrate the changes they are now making. If we keep being reminded of how shit we have been, where in there do we then go, you know what, what's the point? What is the point in trying to change because everybody just thinks this of me and so we go back to being that person that we were before. And when we're constantly reminded by those around us, we do the same. And in here, like, I'm always reminded when I was teaching at a school in Clendon in South Auckland, we had this this awesome program called Caught Being Good. So the idea was that when teachers were out in the playground, they were looking for kids who were making good choices. And this had the potential to shift the point of view. That doesn't mean there were only kids who were being good, like far from it. Teachers still had to deal with kids who weren't making, air quote, good decisions too. It also helped to shift it for the kids out in the playground. And we saw this with kids coming to tell us what they had been doing. All the good things. Oh, look, this is what we were doing. Or we we brought somebody into our circle. Or we asked them to come and play a game with us and they would come and tell us and yes it was coming to show us what they were doing but how often would you rather hear what somebody has done well than where they have stuffed up and then drag them over the coals for that so it was a way to uplift them before they got into fights or kicked someone's ball over the fence or told someone where they could shove their opinion and there were rewards if you got caught being good At assembly, all names went into a drawer at the end of the week for the whole school. It was incentive to make better decisions and choices. And I often think we can transpose this into everyday life. You know, like when we make a concerted effort to catch ourselves and others being good, and when we identify when we or they have done something well or made us feel good, it's a self-fulfilling result. Then there's the feeling good for being recognized for a task, a comment, a behavior, or whatever floated your boat. And we or they are more likely to do it again. How often do you choose to do something again when you've berated yourself? How often do your kids want to try again when you've had a go at them? I mean, it feels good to feel good. Literally, it feels good to feel good. And when we create a space for ourselves and others to feel good, then we and they want to do it again. Further disclaimer here, this is not a miracle cure. Where is it? Anyway, I use it when I'm in a store. Like, how often do they hear how well they are doing? And 
every single time I offer that up to somebody, thank you so much for helping us out. We really, really appreciate it. You're doing such a good job. Oh my gosh, look at that shelf. You've like stacked that so perfectly. They light up. Their posture changes. And they ask me, really? Nobody ever tells me that. Or, oh, and they get quite shy and and a little bit embarrassed sometimes. And it's not that I stick around to see if they continue it. But if they do, that ends up as a win-win situation. We both go away feeling good. And there's more likelihood of that energy spreading out into the world. It's the same in your family. Think of the ripple effect. If you get up in a shit mood in the morning, how well does your day go? If you are looking for the things your kids are doing wrong, how well does your interaction go with them or with anybody? If somebody else is in a shit and you come into their area around them and they have a go at you, do you come back to them with like, oh, wow, I'm doing really well. Thanks for that. Or do you usually come back and have a go back? It's like an energetic exchange. And I, I've got this snippet from Abraham Hicks that I love. When our little children are learning to walk and they fall over, we don't say to them, get up you little dummy, do we? I love that. Like, we do not do that to our kids. We encourage them to try again. And we do that by uplifting them with words of praise. And we recognize them for what they're doing right. We don't tell them how to take the steps, how far to make each step or what will happen if they don't. We let them learn for themselves and we're there to support them as they do. So where in the space does bringing out our stones for all the various reasons help to move us or others forward? And again, I want to reiterate, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. And there's definitely the expectation for apologies, to be respected, to be considerate of ourselves and others. I'm also not saying that we don't have the difficult conversations. We do, but we have boundaries and guidelines around those. We do those conversations when we're calm and we stop if or when the emotion gets too full on. We breathe, we tap into ourselves away from others and we sort through our own stones. We let go of what we can and we put them to one side so that we can come to the table of conversation with more clarity, more understanding and to listen and really hear the other person. We spend so long in conversation waiting to interject with our own stuff that we're not really listening. We create a space for resolving conflict or issues. There's a saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. If we keep getting our stones out or dragging the past forward every time, we try to resolve something. It's like picking the scab off a saw again and again and again. The more we pick it, the worse the scarring and the deeper the scarring goes or it won't heal at all and then we have to get more intense treatment because we can't do it ourselves anymore. So we begin to make these changes by following some guidelines for difficult conversations 
and they can include some of the following but they're definitely not limited to and you might have your own things that you do that you could offer up and share because I don't have all the answers I have what I've learned and what I've looked up and and what I've seen through working with clients but you might have other things that work really well for you and when everybody is on the same page it's easier and other people can't know what your page looks or sounds like if you keep it to yourself. So one of them is like realizing that the person we are talking with may be struggling with their own stuff and that their only way of dealing with what is going on is to argue, cry, shut down, walk away. There might be other ways that they deal with it. They may not even realize what is underneath their anger and trying to get them to find the emotion during a heated conversation is probably not going to get the desired outcome you might be hoping for. That is something for them to go away and do on their own. And when we're all on the same table or all on the same page and we've talked about this in a space of calm and separate to that conversation, then we know that that's something that we need to go and do. Another thing, stop and listen. We have two ears and one mouth. So we can listen twice as much as we speak. And you might not think that that is something I do, especially with the amount that I talk right now. And as hard as it is when emotion is involved and we are feeling used or disrespected or abused or left out or the multiple other emotions that come up, Listening helps to dampen down the emotional tirade. We are effectively eliminating ourselves out of the argument and the power battle dies down. Here's the tricky bit. They might try to hook you back in, so you have to be stealth on this one. The other thing to do is bring it back to I feel statements. These take the sting out of the delivery. I feel like you may be upset because when we say things like you're very upset or you are being unreasonable, emotional, silly, etc. It feels like an attack. How many of us revert to being calm when someone tells us to calm down or chill out? Because I know I don't. I've been going through the airport and I freak out because I have this thing around passports and making sure we've got our tickets and all the rest of it. And if someone says to me, just calm out, calm down, chill out. They are not going to get a calm, chilled out person. So by putting it back on us, we are owning how we feel about the situation. And we're staying out of blaming the other person, which allows them the space to access how they might be really feeling. Try to be conscious in the conversation or argument. Bloody hardest thing I have done sometimes, and I'm still learning. Getting sucked back into the argument or bringing out the stones and or righteousness that I may have taken out of my bag and stashed in a pocket ready for aiming only exacerbates the problem and then we have to start again another time when everyone has calmed down. So being conscious of what we are saying and taking the time to work out what it is we need to say helps everyone get on the same page. We may even need to write it down when we are calm 
so that we can share that in order for others to understand where we are coming from, right? Ultimatums. And you're too old, young, whatever to understand comments. Or laying out your plethora of knowledge, sprinkling stones from your bag or experience on the subject. Doesn't land particularly well when done during an argument. And with ultimatums, we better be okay with following through on them. But that's a whole other musing topic, right? <laughs> Don't let me go off on that one. Walk away if you need to. No one needs to stay in a space of being yelled at or disrespected. End it with something like, I can't talk right now. I need to take some time out so that I can work out where I am at on this. And walk away or find a space that feels better. We begin to change patterns when we interrupt them. And the ability to recognize this and follow through on it is a starting point. Another trick you could try is to decide on a neutral word or phrase that is family group wide that doesn't create an emotional attachment and everyone recognizes that it is the air quote safe word for stopping when things get too heated or emotional because we cannot hear others when we are at full speed emotion and we come back to the conversation when we are all able to do so and lastly if you need support with difficult conversations or help letting go of your stones get it there is no shame in getting help we all need help with something at some point in our lives don't wait for the proverbial truck to hit you before you seek support we are all doing the best we can with what we know at the time. And when we know better, we do better. So if you're looking for a sign, this is it. And as always, I hope that whether you are beginning your day, in the middle of things or nearing the end, you hear this with the love and support that it is intended with. Sending you masses of blessings and love catch you on my next podcast. Peace out, babies.